appreciate God for every one of your lives. Welcome to God's presence. And uh, I want to thank God for all of you, for the things you do for the kingdom of God. I want to welcome anyone who is online or who will be watching this later. I want to say God bless you right where you are. And I want to also encourage everyone to be a social media worshiper in the course of the week. A lot of material that we put online to just help us to think over the message of the week. By the message itself, in the video, all the entire service like this, on our Facebook page, LiveGate Outreach Center Live, you will find it there and some of the other pages. And then we have podcasts. Simply go look for LiveGate Outreach Center. We have audio podcasts of messages from 2017 every Sunday by the grace of God in this church. And so I would like to encourage you to make use of those resources. And if you come across something that you think can bless somebody else, send it to them so that they can be blessed as well. And may God continue to increase you on every side. In Jesus' name. Amen. We started a series many weeks ago, about seven weeks now. This is the seventh session on living in the power of the love of God. Living in the power of the love of God. And we have covered six topics so far, as you can see in the banner. We are looking at the seventh topic today on the power to hate false witnessing. The Bible says that there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And uh, if you want to be a true lover of God, with the love of God at work in you, you will love what God loves and you will hate what he hates. One of the things that God hates, we said God hates pride. He hates deception. He hates bloodshed. He hates wickedness. He hates evil associations. And uh, today we are looking at the fact that he hates false witnessing. Next week, as we round up the series, we'll be looking at hating sowing discord because God hates it as well. The Bible says, thank you for the banner, the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, now hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. He said, but the, because the love of God has been poured in our hearts, the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God is at work in us. What works in us to love God is the love of God himself. And what works in us to love others is the love of God in us. We have no capacity in our natural beings to love God or to love people. This is why when people try to love without the love of God, they work on infatuations, they work on lust, they work on things that looks like love, but it's just a matter of time and then they find that those things, the Bible says love never fails. So when something fails, it means it wasn't love in the first instance. So we need to understand that the love of God shed abroad in our heart is what we need as a people to continue to guard jealously. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16 to 19 is where we have been looking at those six things and seven that are an abomination to him. There are six things he hates. Yes, seven are an abomination. Verse 17 says a proud look, he doesn't like it. A lying tongue, he doesn't like it. Hands that shed innocent blood, he hates it. And uh, Verse 18 says, a heart that devises wicked plans and feet that are swift to running into evil. We have looked at all these things and what they mean to us in practical terms. We must hate those things as well because God hates them. We are on verse 19 today and next week. It says, he hates also a false witness who speaks lies. Now, if you read the verse 16, he talks in verse 17, he talks about a lying tongue. But now we're looking at verse 19, and he says, a false witness who speaks lies. So this is a special category of lying that is peculiar. False witnessing is a form of lying, but it also has a particular focus about it. And we will see as we go through this message today why God hates it. A false witness is somebody who basically would stand up or will stand and declare something before others that is untrue. He would declare something that is untrue and present it as true. He will speak convincingly. But the intention of such a false witness is usually to hurt somebody else, the person that they are talking about, or to ruin their reputation. Reputation. He seeks to ruin somebody's reputation. 
And this is something that God hates because, you see, at that point, the person that is being, uh, that is being witnessed against is usually not present. At times they could be, but in many cases they are not even there to defend themselves. Many times in the Bible we find that false witnessing is mentioned, something that God hates. One of the commandments, the ninth commandment that God gave to Moses, remember the Ten Commandments? One of them was specifically about not bearing false witness. This is in Exodus chapter 20 verse 16. It says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. God hates false witnessing. And I'm going to take us through about four different ways. There are so many ways a false witness can manifest. And I'm going to take us through it, for, uh, through some of the ways, about four of it, for two reasons. One, for you to understand that there could be times that you are actually bearing false witness and you might not have known. And, there are, and then you need to also understand when a false, when a false witness is born against you, that you also have God who defends you, as we'll see in scripture, who would defend you, but at the same time, he would help you to, uh, it's not something, what I'm trying to say is that it's not something that you should be afraid of, because it can happen and it will happen from time to time, that false witness may be born against you. But as lovers of God, whether it is in the form of a false witness or other evil plots, we have confidence in God that he continues to to protect the righteous. But our key effort here today is to press into the understanding of what false witness is in the different ways so that we don't be bearers ourselves. The first thing I would like us to examine is the uh, false witness of misrepresentation. 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 This is an action or an offense which gives a false or misleading account it deliberately gives a false or misleading account of a person's actions or character. It misrepresents what happens. It doesn't speak the truth. It misrepresents what's happened. And in 1 Kings chapter 21, we read a story of Jezebel and Naboth. Remember that story? Jezebel, Ahab, and Naboth, which case we had uh, Naboth, uh, uh, Ahab was desiring the vineyard of Naboth simply because it was close to him. It was something he liked and it was close to his palace and he wanted it. And the man said, I'm not going to sell it. I don't want to sell it. And Ahab the king, we read it just a couple of weeks ago in a different context, and Ahab the king was very perturbed that he could not get this vineyard. It was really something that worried him. And um, his wife, Jezebel, noticed that he was really upset by it. And he called him and said, King, what is wrong with you? And then Ahab said, because he couldn't get that vineyard. And this woman now orchestrated something. And this is where I want us to look at. She orchestrated a situation that would get Naboth killed by false witnessing. She called some men of the town and instigated them to go and misrepresent Naboth to the town people such that he could be stoned to death. I want us to read that section of the story from 1 Kings chapter 21 from verse 11. And these people took the word of Jezebel maybe out of fear or maybe out of ignorance. And they took the word of Jezebel and in verse 11, the Bible says, So the men of his city, the elders and the nobles who were inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent them, as it was written in the letters which she had sent to them. What did they do? Look at verse 12. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. Now, let's read verse 13. Let's read verse 13. This was the whole plot, verse 13 now. Let's read together. And two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him. And the scoundrels witnessed against him against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, look at the false witness, let's read together, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. And they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones so that he died. And that was the end of that man. What am I trying to say here? Everything they said about him was not true. He did not blaspheme. He simply said he was not willing to sell his vineyard, which he has a right to say. 
But because there was envy and jealousy and all kinds of things in the heart of a king, and there was a lot of wickedness in the heart of his wife, this whole drama was orchestrated just to make sure that Naboth was killed. And the people said in the presence of all the people, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. In short, they said something that will make the people rise up and stone Naboth. Because blasphemy against God, blasphemy against king is punishable by death. So they went and orchestrated this very untrue story and misrepresented this man before the people. Now, I have said many times that the different versions of people stoned in the Bible, because many times people will say, if, if, I, if, if, if somebody is stoned and they die like that, does that mean that they were caught short before their time? And I don't believe anybody leaves this earth. The Bible says there is a time to be born and there is a time to die. God controls every time. This is my pure understanding. Nobody can die before their time. If I could die before my time, I would have died more than 10 times in this my life so far. That I was this close to death. So I am very convinced that the day I leave this world is the day God wants me to go. And I believe that that is everything with everybody. But that's a side. The key thing here is that this man was killed because there was a false witness of misrepresentation. And many times it may not be this to this extent that people misrepresent people. They may not necessarily misrepresent somebody to the point where the person gets killed. But they can misrepresent a person in a scenario, especially in the workplace. They deliberately misrepresent a person and abrogate to them what they did not do. They point them out and bring them out as the culprit of the problem, whatever the problem was. And then you suddenly find that this person starts to lose favor with management. This person starts to be seen in a different light. How many people understand what I'm saying? God hates it. God hates it. It's a very common thing in our time now because many people are scheming. They want that position. If you are in any one position in this life and you are the only person in that organization in that position, just know that there are people, at least one other person, that is interested in that position. Do you understand what I'm saying? The world is like that. And we must understand that at times people can go to this extent to misrepresent us. So one thing we do is first to mitigate this, you walk in integrity. Jesus said the prince of this world came, but he found what? Nothing in me. Walk in integrity. Walk in integrity every time. If what they say about you is untrue, you leave the judgment to the God of vengeance. You leave your protection to the one who protects the righteous. But it becomes a problem if what they are saying has elements of truth in it. This is why believers must understand that we cannot afford to live anyhow and say that God will protect us. We must be people who are truly faultless. When you are faultless like Joseph, when you are faultless like Daniel, they could not catch Daniel. And they, went, they said to themselves that there is no way we can get this guy except in the law of his God, in Daniel 6. Except we look at something about the law of his God. So they cooked up something and said, get the king. To, and they told the king to make sure that everybody bows down to his image. Not that they were so interested in obeying the king, but they were much more interested in getting a person killed, a person removed from office. As at that point, he was already a governor. He was already somebody that God had promoted and had made, uh, you know, of, of, uh, of an excellent spirit. So I'm just saying to us today, when you look at the stories of those men like Daniel and Joseph, one thing that vindicated them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, was that they were people of integrity. So the key antidote to misrepresentation and any kind of false witness is for a righteous man to keep walking in integrity. The Bible says the integrity of the righteous shall preserve them. Have nothing to do with the devil and then there is nothing he can find in you. This is very, very important. And so they misrepresented Naboth before the people and uh, that became something that took his life. But I want us to know that God hates these things. 
And on judgment, everyone who has been a false witness, whether by misrepresenting or doing other things, will surely be judged by God. Let us not be such people who are casual about it. If you are not sure about what to say about something, say, I don't know what to say. You don't have to answer any question. At times in the workplace, something has happened, and then they ask you to give an account. And you don't know what has happened. And uh, you, you, you just say you don't know. It's better to say that than to say something that implicates, especially or a potential, to implicate somebody else. God wouldn't like it. So let us all be real and let us all understand that this is what God desires from us. So the next thing as well is maligning. Maligning. False witness operates through maligning. When they malign a person, it means that they speak about them in a spitefully critical manner. They downgrade them. They speak bad about them. Not just misrepresent them, but they deliberately speak evil of them to other people. Just again to try to assassinate their character. Satan was the first person to malign that we saw in scripture. He maligned the character of God or attempted to malign the character of God when he came to Eve and he said to her in Genesis chapter 3 verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. God said you will die the day you eat of it. But he says you will not surely die, making God, in quote, a liar, trying to call God a liar. So we must understand that Maligning people and trying to downplay who they are is evil before God. There are many people who malign people's spouses just because they are trying to discredit the person's spouse. What am I trying to say? You can see a person maligning the husband of a lady just to try to discourage them from having a good relationship with their spouse. So they malign them. They tell them that that person is evil, that person is not good, that person doesn't have your interest. These are some of the wicked things in our days today. There are many people who malign workmates. People malign family members at times just to try to make them bad, make them feel bad. Every one of us must recognize that these are things God hates. He said, for God knows that the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. All a lie, a false representation of God. God's instruction not to touch the fruit, not to eat of the fruit, is not because they will, their eyes will be open. It's not because they will be like him. They were already created in his image. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with everything that Satan was saying, but he was just trying to assassinate the character of God. We must not be people who malign. And when somebody comes to you trying to malign others, show them that you don't entertain such news. You don't entertain such talk. You don't have to use these words I'm using, but don't show interest in the conversation. Whoever that person is, whoever that person is, there are people who speak falsehood on things they don't even know. They speak based on what they hear. And what they hear was from somebody else who had something and another person who had something that at the end of the day, what they are hearing is a completely different story. I've told you many times about the Chinese whisper. Try it one day. Get 10 people to line up one after the other and whisper something in the ear of the first person. Just say that. Just put about three sentences together. Then you will get it to work. Say that I like eating rice on a Sunday and I also like going shopping. And I like wearing a green dress or something like that. Just put three sentences together. By the time you hear what you said from the 10th, and then the first person takes it to the second person, the second person repeats it to the third person, not hearing what they are saying, just whispering. By the time you go and ask the 10th person to say what you said, you will hear something that is completely different. <laughs> very, very different from what was said. But many times, that is what somebody will pick up and go to other people and start broadcasting, especially about a person. Let's not live like that. Let's not be people who malign because we want to be critical of other people. It is a very tempting thing to do when somebody has hurt you. 
Somebody has hurt you. They've been talking bad about you. They've been talking bad about you and you have heard it, you have seen it, you know it, people know it. And then somebody now brings something to you that is a weakness of theirs or something they've done. And it gives you an opportunity to hook them there. <laughs> the devil will say, this is your chance. Now fire every cylinder you have. <laughs> Don't fall for it. <laughs> Refuse to do it. It makes you the bigger man. It makes you the bigger person. Somebody contacted me very recently in the, in the last 24 hours. I won't say it because I'm on video. I won't say too many details. And... Uh, they were asking for something, and we were talking, and I texted. We, just, we didn't really talk. We just exchanged some texts. And I told my wife, and she said, what did you say? I said, yeah, I'm going to see how I can help them. He said, really? <laughs> I said, yeah. Because this person, what if I remember the last thing they did to me? I should not be chatting with them at all. This is the truth. But somebody say, be the bigger person. Say, always be the bigger person. And I'm not saying this to slight them. I'm only saying this is a natural thing in life. When you have an opportunity to malign somebody, especially somebody who has actually done it to you, do not repay evil for evil. Romans chapter 12, verse 21, the Bible says, never repay evil with evil, but do what? Repay evil with what? With good. It's not something you can do in your power. It's something the Holy Spirit that is at work in you will give you the power of his love to do. But when you live like that, God, you get God to commit to your matters. And I pray that God will continue to give us strength in Jesus' name. So we must not malign anybody. Many of you who are members of this church and people who know me very well, I used to talk about a colleague of mine who we used to work together at the last university I worked before where I now currently work in my academic profession. And... uh, this guy, we, we were together for about 10 years in that place. And I just don't know. I never, till today, I just never had a clue why this person just doesn't like me. And no matter what I did, I tried to build friendship. I would email him at times when we are together and things. I just tried. I tried every God-given wisdom just to know what is the problem with this man, you know. And we weren't in the same department. We were, I mean, there were so many things I can say that it makes it so difficult. But I guess it was just his nature or whatever it was. Now, my point is many times I, I would not be in a particular meeting and I would be told he said certain things about me in a kind of derogatory manner. And it would come to me. People would say to me, what did you do to this person? I said, I don't know. Why is he always trying to get you like this? Then I find that there are opportunities many times that I would have to speak in the same way about him. But I never, for 10 years, I resisted that temptation and I kept on preaching about it to help myself. Because, because as I preach it now, it puts me in check that I don't do it next time. So that was exactly what I was doing for 10 years. <laughs> I never allowed the devil to make me. In fact, instead, I was always speaking positively about anything that was worthy of commendation in what he did. And I find now we have parted ways. He too has moved on from that university. I have moved on from there. But what I find is that I live in a freedom despite all that time and all that tension that was then. I live in total freedom about it today. And I can imagine that whenever I see him, it's exactly how I've always wanted to build relationship that I will be with him. But my point is this. Never fall for the temptation to malign anybody. The third one is one that a lot of Christians commit and they don't know. A lot of people have taken this for granted and it is still false witnessing. It is called flattery. Flattery. You say, oh, but Brother Dave, how can flattery be wrong? I'm just trying to help somebody. No. <laughs> Don't help anybody. Flattery is excessive or insincere praise. It's an excessive or insincere praise. Let everything you represent about a person or say about a person be true. Let it be true. Don't flatter anyone. The Bible says that it is those that do wickedly against the covenant that shall be corrupted by flatteries. Daniel 11.32 excessive and insincere praise is given to further one's own interests. You just want to make yourself look good in the sight of that person so you flatter them a bit. You flatter them. 
This is not good. God does not like it. At times we do it directly. At times we do it to others. And we think that by glamorizing that person to other people, what we are trying to do is to paint the person a better person. No, God still doesn't like it. So we should, we should know when we are walking in flattery. This is very, very important because many times we don't. We don't know. Husband and wives don't flatter each other. In the name of, we want to use good words to encourage one another. You know, we are told that we should communicate and speak nicely to each other. So if you don't like her hair, don't say anything. Don't say I like it. Because you are flattering her. <laughs> you don't like that wig, don't say I like it. Just keep quiet. If she say, honey, what do you think? Just quickly find a way to run out of it. <laughs> so that she doesn't say, you are not talking now. <laughs> you just find one way to run out of the room. Don't stand there and say, it is beautiful. No. God sees that in your heart it's not beautiful. <laughs> I won't say it. <laughs> if not, I may not eat this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but if I come to your house, that means I was not giving food at all. <laughs> My wife got one wig like that, and she wore it about two, three, two, three weeks ago. This one that has like an elderly look. <laughs> I said, This thing makes you look old. <laughs> and she said, Ah! <laughs> He says the style. I say, okay, I've understood. <laughs> but at least my mind is free. I didn't say this is very beautiful. Now it looks good. It's okay. But that, I just said the reality of what it was. <laughs> and you know, it's the, the truth is that there are many ways we can handle such things. You can suggest a different thing. You can suggest, how about the other one? After all, when I put on my tie, she attached this. Is that the one? Why not the other one? So I white me too. I can say, how about the other wing? <laughs> Instead of just sitting there and say, oh, it is very beautiful. There was a time one, one of our brothers posted something in the men's group about, <laughs> about a man and his wife that were talking. It's a very common joke. I'm sure many of you would have seen this, the clip now. It was uh, dramatized, but it's so funny. The man... The woman was um, talking about her hair, isn't it? He said, honey, what do you think about my hair? I want to cut it. She had long hair. She said, I want to cut it. What do you think? The man looked. He was walking. He didn't want to be disturbed. He was typing something. He said, cut it. The woman said, what? You want me to cut my hair? Is that what you have been thinking about me? Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to cut it now. Do you know how long it took me to... Then the guy said, ah, sorry, sorry. Okay, don't cut it. (laughs) He said, ah, but I'm telling you, I may look more beautiful if I cut it. Why don't you want me to cut it? The man looked at her again and said, okay, cut it. <laughs> so at times, people just want to hear what they want to hear. So when somebody asks you like that, instead of flattering or not knowing what to say, ask them back. This is what the English people will teach us. Ask question. Ask them to think about what they want to do. So what do you think? What do you think? I think it looks nice. But what do you think? So you remove yourself from their decision. (laughs) Whatever they say, you say, follow what you have said. (laughs) Flattery is very popular, but it can even be more severe. There was a time Paul was seeing somebody who was flattering them in Acts chapter 16. And it was really bad. It takes discernment at times to know that you are being flattered. Acts 16, verse 16. This is a very common story, but I want to remind us what happened there. This woman, this lady, young girl, was possessed with the spirit of divination. Look at that. He said, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. So she didn't have a right spirit. That's important. Verse 17. Look at verse 17. This girl followed Paul and us and crying out and cried out, saying, What? These men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Is that true or not true? It is true. But the spirit behind it 
is a flattering spirit. And this is something we must understand. We can say something, even though I said we are excessively or we are uh, uh, inadequately uh, expressing something about a person, but at times it may be that we are saying the true thing, but our heart is not in it. Our heart does not believe what we are saying. It is still amounting to flattery. The Bible says in verse 18, And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to do what? To come out of her. Verse 18. To come out of her. Thank you. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. He said, these are the men, go back to verse 17, are the servants. These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Everyone must understand when we recognize flattery that is maybe speaking the right words, but it's of the wrong spirit. We must not give it room. We may not necessarily rebuke it like this, but at the same time, we must not allow it in any way. And we must not allow ourselves to be used by the devil like that. Say what you mean. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just say it as it is, with confidence. But don't allow yourself to succumb to flattery. Some people flatter their bosses just so that they can win favor with them. You don't need to live like that. Speak it as it is. If they're, they're doing well, encourage them. Tell them they are running the team very well. And you're very pleased with the way they're doing it. But don't oversay it. Don't say, in fact, you are the best one we've ever had. You are going, you are crossing the border. (laughs) Just say it as it is. Say it as it is. And let the devil be put to shame. Flattery is a form of false witnessing that God hates. Everyone must recognize when the spirit of the enemy is at work to make us walk in misrepresentation or malign others or to walk in flattery. And may God continue to show us in Jesus' name. Now, somebody will say, but these things are normal. They are not normal. They are the spirit of the end time that are very subtle, walking in our midst, trying to make us deviate the more from the standards of God, trying to make us people who are constantly losing the relationship with God and therefore losing the power that we ought to walk in as witnesses indeed. We should not flatter. Many times people flatter pastors, they flatter their leaders, just not because they they are looking for anything per se, but they feel it will help them. No, don't do that. If he's not preaching good, call him. Call him. Say, man of God, I love you very much, but you know, some of your messages, (laughs) seriously, some of your messages, I really don't understand where they're coming from. I want to know more. Any true preacher will tell you, let's discuss it. Just about three weeks ago, one of our brothers called me and said, Pastor, or just two weeks actually, said, there's something I noticed, you, you talk about it a lot, and somehow it could be misrepresenting. And I said, I never saw it that way. That, but you know what I mean. I just want to know you know what I mean. He said, oh, of course. He said, but I just feel that there are people who would misrepresent you. And I value that. I value that a lot. But if he comes to me and he says, you know, everything you say, everything, the way you say it, perfect, every time, ah, God bless you. That is flattery. Because he has something in his heart that he would like to clarify or he would like to bring to my attention. Having said that, I'm not saying that, you know, we should knock down people just because we don't want to flatter them. We should now be, uh, you know, talking derogatorily to them. That's not what it means. It just simply means as brothers and sisters, we should be open to the truth at all times. God hates flattery. The fourth thing God hates is exaggeration. Exaggeration. It's a very simple thing to know. A statement that represents something better. Represents it better than what it is. Amplifies it a little. We have to be very careful. Everybody is tempted to exaggerate from time to time. Everybody, no matter who you are. You've got to pull yourself in because as you are giving the story, you are giving the story, everybody is happy. They're happy. Devil say, add this one too. <laughs> add that little one too. Add that one too. He'll say, it's alright. It's just to make it clearer. No, it's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. It is a very, very subtle attempt to plant the spirit of lie and error in a person. 
when a person starts to exaggerate little by little, it will turn to a full-blown lie. It will no longer be exaggeration. It will now be a complete total lie. <laughs> because if he, if he starts with 5% and he doesn't check it, next time it will grow to 10%. <laughs> then next time it will go to 50%. Then before you know it, he will say a story that is not true at all. And he did not start like that. He started with just adding little, little, little things. <laughs> Especially preachers, again, I will say that word. If you are a preacher, under the sound of my voice, you have to fight exaggeration every day. Listen to your own video and say, ah, ah. <laughs> if you say that to yourself or your video, you will not do it next time. Say, ah, how did I add this one today? <laughs> oh, God have mercy on me. And then you find that that way the devil will not find a place. I'm telling you, that is the way you war against it. Many preachers have gone into error in this area because they, they, they just want to sound more convincing. So they give you stories. Tell you when they went to some place, something happened, and that one, and that one. And they add things that were true and join it with things that are not true just so that it gives in their own mind a better... You see, any story you have to give that you have to exaggerate and you don't feel confident saying it without that exaggeration. Don't say it at all. Don't say it at all. Just say it as it is. Anybody who doesn't, who is not impressed, let them not be impressed. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have never ever, I, since I've been in ministry, even before we started LifeGate almost nine years ago, I've never ever not said to the congregation that I am also a person under authority somewhere, working somewhere. I've never created an impression as if I am not a, a staff, a salaried staff somewhere. I've never created that impression because why should I? Why should I? God is helping me. But there are preachers who are too proud. They are too proud to accept that they are an employee and they also have a boss. Too proud. So they create an impression and exaggerate that they are this, they are that. You don't need it. You don't need it. Whether it is in the faith or whether it has to do with presenting a, a project or presenting something, don't exaggerate. If you exaggerate on your CV and you apply for a job, if they give you that job, your exaggeration will show. <laughs> it will show. You say you speak seven languages, you speak Spanish, French, and the German, and all a lot of Nigerian or African languages. They will say, when they give you the job, they noticed it, but they never said much. One day, somebody will be coming from Finland. They say, we noticed that you speak Finnish. <laughs> can, you, can you come and interpret? That is the day, your exaggeration will hear. They will say, ah, actually, it is very little. <laughs> they say, no, in your CV, you say fluently. Reading fluently, speaking fluently. <laughs> Everything was fluently, fluently. Now they need you to perform. You can't perform. If you say, you, I like this country for one thing. Like I said some time back, hardly will anybody ask you your, your, your certificate. Hardly. Especially for high-level jobs. They won't ask you because it's not necessary. You say you have PhD. Oh, no problem. Come. <laughs> we know how people who have PhD should behave. So <laughs> it's very simple. There is no argument about it. The job I do, I'm doing now, by the grace of God, I was interviewed four times. That is four different panels. One panel twice, and then two bigger panels. Till today, this I'm three months into the job now, almost three months into the job now. Until today, some of the people, because there were so many, this group, about 15, this other group, another 15, then the panel of four that interviewed, the main panel of four that interviewed me first and last. Until today, most of the people in the big groups, when I now meet them in their departments to have sessions with them, they remind me about my interview. They said, I was in your panel. I was in your panel. I was in your panel. Senior members of that university. So there is no way, if, I put, if you put a CV and you exaggerate something, and you've talked to about 30 people, how will you be defending yourself every time? Say, ah, that thing I said that time, it was not. Don't believe, ah, no, no. I never... <laughs> They say, we saw this on your CV. How did this happen? And you explained it. If it was not true, and then the challenge now comes for you to address it, you will find that you will have a problem. God doesn't like it. In fact, God is always moved when a person relies much more on him 
than their own accolades. Let us not fall for exaggeration. Now, at times we exaggerate up, at times we exaggerate down. It is still not good. If we exaggerate down, it means that we are now demeaning ourselves. God still doesn't like it. Like in Numbers chapter 13, when those ten spies came back, in verse 31, the Bible says, the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they, verse 32 says, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours. Can you imagine? It devours its inhabitants. Okay, there are people there, no doubt. There are giants there, no doubt. But if it is devouring its inhabitants, how are the people you saw there living there? Just because they want to convince everybody else, they exaggerated what they saw. And all the people we saw in them are men of great stature. The worst is what they said in verse 33. Then we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like what? Grasshoppers. Can you see the scale? Do you know how small a grasshopper is? Even the biggest ones, they are probably just about your finger. The biggest ones. So those people must have been like a 10 or 12 story buildings <laughs> to have been like grasshoppers, to, for people to be grass, like grasshoppers there. And there is no giant like that that has ever existed. So they were exaggerating. But you see, that exaggeration caused a lot of problems. Millions of people started to cry because the people were afraid. And this happens at times in families when a man or a woman doesn't want to do something uh, and and the spouse is wanting them to do it and the other person is now exaggerating her or his opinion or their situation. It can cause a problem. Let us not exaggerate. Let us know how to trust God and not exaggerate. God hates it. There was a man who people kind of flattered him but it became an exaggeration because instead of him to see that it was not about him, it was about God, he did not give glory. This was a man simply known as Herod. The Bible says, on a set day, Herod arrayed, Acts 12, 21, in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. That was the point he should have said, no, I'm the one speaking, but God is the one speaking through me. The Bible says, then, verse 23, let's read verse 23 together. Then immediately, let's go. Are you there? Acts 12, verse 23. Acts 12, verse 23. The Bible says, then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. Because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten up by worms and died. I've just read Acts chapter 12 from verse 21 to 23. Okay, thank you. Let's read it together. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. Verse 23. He did not give glory to God. When people come to you and they say that is the most beautiful thing they've seen, they may not be flattering, they may be saying the truth, but You don't exaggerate by not giving glory to God. Don't exaggerate what they've said in your heart by not giving glory to God. Nebuchadnezzar woke up one day and said, look at this beautiful city that I have built by my hand. That was the last day he stood up on those hands. The very next day he was crawling like an animal and he went, he was driven into the fields. God doesn't like it. God doesn't like it. Whatever God is doing in your life, let him be the one that is taking all the glory. Let it be that every time you are always returning the glory to God. And may God continue to help us in Jesus' name. So every time false witness comes, it comes from our sinful human heart. This is why we read Matthew 15, from verse 17. He says, do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. False witnessing defiles a man. Look at it, verse 19. It says, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness. Do you know that many times when we read these kind of scriptures, we don't even see the list includes things like false witnessing. We see the evil thoughts. We see the murders, adulteries, fornications, because we talk about them a lot. But they are as bad 
as the thefts, the false witnessing, the flattering, the misrepresentation, the maligning, the exaggeration, they are equally as bad as those things that we tend to talk about much more. So every one of us must take a lot of caution to know what comes out of our heart by making sure that our heart is continuously being sanctified, praying to God for a new heart all the time. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 36, he said, And I will sprinkle clean water on you, verse 25, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all the filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, now verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take that heart of stone that is always bearing false witness, always thinking blasphemy, always adulterous in nature, always thinking fornication. He said, I will take it out of your flesh and give you a heart of what? Of flesh. And then verse 27 says, I will put my spirit within you to bear witness with your spirit. This is why the Bible says those of us who are born again that the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the, what? the sons of God. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You will have a distaste for those things. I say you will have a distaste for those things. In the name of Jesus. Say so you will keep my judgments and you will do them. When the Holy Spirit is at work in us, we find it more difficult to say these things. Every time we cross the line by doing any of them, the Holy Spirit will prompt us. And at times all we need to do is just to repent. At times we need to apologize. If we said something to somebody and it has been done out of exaggeration or any of these things, we may need to go back to them if we have the access and say, you know, please forgive me. I misrepresented what I said to you. Or I exaggerated. But maybe by accident or without knowing. But I, when I reflected on what I said, it wasn't true. It liberates you. And that is how you allow your heart to continue to be free from such things. And to prevent yourself next time. If we don't openly acknowledge. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If we don't confess and openly acknowledge our sin, we have a potential to continue to do them. So we have to identify this. Husband and wives, don't be lying to each other. Why should you lie to each other, by the way? Speak truth every time. Speak truth to each other. Let it be as it is. You have the peace of mind when you live like that. John 7, 37, he said, On the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. No more lies. No more false witnessing. No more evil thoughts. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I want to conclude this this morning before we take our communion. I just talked about speaking truthfully to each other. James 4.11 tells us, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Don't speak evil of one another. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Don't speak evil of one another. Next week, we are going to look at sowing discord. This is very, very much tied to this. Don't speak evil of one another. Avoid speaking evil. Does that mean we should not speak the truth when something needs to be corrected or something needs to be addressed? No, that doesn't mean so. But a deliberate attempt to speak evil, to try to assassinate the character of a person or to destroy the reputation of a person, we must avoid doing. Sadly, this is what the body of Christ is contending with today. Pastors speaking evil against each other. Church members speaking evil against each other. Speaking evil against their pastor. Pastors speaking evil against people within the church because they favor some more than the others and so on and so forth. We must not be doing this. The Bible says we have not so learned Christ. Ephesians 4:20. Christ never called Peter and said, can you see what John is doing? Can you see now? I've been warning him that he's too reliant on me. You see him now? No, not once. Or the Peter himself, John, called John, say, can you see Peter? That guy, is something is wrong with him. Not once. Don't speak evil of one another. Verse 20, Ephesians 4.20, say, we have not so learned Christ. Ephesians 4.20, 
But you have not so learned Christ. Follow Christ. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He gave us an example. He believed in people. And this is how we must understand. Whatever we need to speak, we need to speak it in love. Whatever we need to correct, we need to correct in love. Not just to speak because we just want to score a point. The Bible says anyone who thinks he's standing today, let him take heed, lest he falls. Some people are so glad these days when a pastor or somebody falls, a Christian falls, their news goes faster, faster, quicker. And people are so quick to judge and criticize. We must not be living like that. Not because we are afraid of falling, but just because there is no glory in celebrating the fall of a person. There is no glory in it. Let us, let us not allow false witnessing. He said, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22, Ephesians 4, 22. He said that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man. Put it off. Don't keep wearing it. Put it off. It grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And verse 23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And verse 24, let's read verse 24 together finally, everybody. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The new man will never want to destroy another human being. The new man will always want to build up, will always want to correct, will always want to walk in love. Let us keep walking in the power of the new man. There is a big temptation in our times to be very vindictive because people are mean. People are mean. When we say this, we must acknowledge people around us are mean. Not necessarily people in the church or in settings like this, but people where we work, people where we do business. They are brutal. They don't care. They are about themselves. And we should know that and respect the fact that we are living in those times. But don't ever allow those things to lose your new man. You are now a new creation. All things have passed away. Don't say, let me just suspend this, my Christianity, for two minutes and deal with this person for two minutes. <laughs> I will put it back on when I finish. <laughs> the temptation could be very rife, but don't allow it. And God will continue to strengthen us in Jesus. Well,